Hey, this is Shane Valenstein, the pastor at City on a Hill Community Church. I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. I hope that this podcast helps you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at cityonahillmd.org. Enjoy the message. So we're in the fourth week of our Christmas series. And um, as we said, with Christmas Eve being next week, we talked all, we've been talking all about things this month that can, that can lighten the burden that some of us are carrying. Sometimes when we get into the Christmas season, it's like we feel the weight of the world on our shoulders. We're carrying a million different things, and sometimes it feels like we've got a piano on our back as we're like limping into Christmas. So the first week, we talked about how we should try to let go of stuff, literal physical things. Some of us need to just purge some things in our, in our garage or our basement or our attic or maybe your living room, and, and we just need to get rid of stuff. And we talk about how we need to throw away things, how we need to buy less, and how we need to give more. And then last, or two weeks ago, we talked about letting go of distractions. Um, sometimes we can be so distracted by things that are happening in our life, and we want to focus less on what doesn't matter and focus more on what does matter. And then last week, we talked about letting go of bitterness. Um, bitterness is dangerous, and bitterness can take root in our lives and take a hold of our lives, hold of our life. And it can only really be stomped out with compassion and, and with forgiveness. So if you missed any of those, you can go back and check out our YouTube page with the exception of the second week because our live stream didn't work that week. But anyways, you can go and check out um, our podcast and those sort of things. So with Christmas being next week, this also means that we're getting to the end of 2023, which is unbelievable, right? Every time we get to the end of a year, it's always like, how is it already the end of 2023 and now going into 2024? And it, it just gets worse and worse every year, right? It's like, it'll be here in, in a blink of an eye. And it's only natural for us to look back at when we get to the end of the year. This time of year, I don't know if you got your like Spotify wrapped uh, if, if, or, and you look back and you see how much Taylor Swift you listen to or like... If you're like me, you see how much like Mickey Mouse was on your Spotify and those sort of things. And uh, um, if you're a parent, your Spotify wrapped is ruined, right? Um, if you don't know what Spotify wrapped is, it's okay. You're just a little old, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Don't, don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. Don't, please don't email me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, but it's natural for us to look back and say, man, 2023 was a good year. Or you may look back and say, good riddance. 2023 was a rough year. And it all depends on the circumstances that you had going on in, in your life. And maybe you're at a point where you're like, I need a fresh start. I need things to start over. I need 2024 to come, even though it's just the flipping of the calendar and that's really the only thing that changes. But it's a good starting point for us. We feel like this is a good opportunity for us to flip the page, maybe throw away some things that, that we were dealing with this year, and we say, all right, I'm moving past this. I'm a new me, new year, new me, and we, and we start over. So today we're going to talk about something that a lot of us have a very hard time of letting go of, and that's your past. A lot of times we really struggle with your past. How do I let go of it? And it's it's, the tough thing about our past is that it doesn't always stay in the past, right? We, we think, okay, our, my past keeps coming up and it keeps biting me in the butt somehow. Like I'm, I keep, I, I'm constantly reminded 
of my shortcomings and the ways that and the ways that I fall short or the mistakes that I've made. Maybe maybe like you really embarrassed yourself in high school because on the basketball team you scored on the wrong basket, right? And then every time you see somebody from high school, they're like, "Oh, Brian, do you remember when you scored on the wrong basket?" And you're like, "Yes, yes, I know." And then like that's what you're known for now every time that that somebody from high school sees you. Like you're known as the kid who scored on the wrong basket. Maybe Maybe you dropped the ball on your first date with your future spouse, and you really embarrassed yourself somehow, and it just is constantly brought up, and your spouse is like, remember when you had that broccoli stuck in your tooth on our first date, and then you burped as well at dinner, and like you bring up all of these things, and it's like, oh, I just can't escape my past. It keeps being brought up over and over and over again. Maybe, maybe you're related to the pastor, and he won't stop talking about you in his sermons, and you're like, my goodness, please, Shane, stop, um, and uh, uh, everything is like, whenever anything happens around me, people are always like, please, don't, don't put this in a sermon, please. <laughs> it happens a lot. <laughs> and those are all like funny examples, right? But unfortunately, sometimes there are things in our past that aren't always funny. Like maybe there are things that, that keep being brought up about, about your past. Maybe you lose your temper often, and you're known as this hothead. And, and unfortunately, maybe you've said some words that, that you just can't take back, and you've ruined relationships, and you've hurt feelings, and, and now you maybe even have strange relationships with people that you really care about, maybe even family members or close friends that or once, they were once close friends. Maybe you had this maddening, ongoing cycle of sin or, or addiction that you just can't break. You're like, this just has, has a hold of me. And I don't want to keep going down this road. I don't want to keep making these choices and these decisions. Maybe, maybe your family even has a history of addiction or alcoholism or drug use or whatever it could be, right? And you feel like this is, it's built into you. It's ingrained into you and you just can't seem to break it. Maybe it's this constant reminder of unmet expectations in your life. And you feel like, I, I thought that I would be here by now, and I'm just not, I'm not meeting the expectations that I had for myself when I was younger. How, how do I move past this? How, how do I get beyond this? And if anyone understood what it, what it was like to have their past haunt them, it's a guy named Peter. If you didn't know Peter in, in the Bible, He's maybe the most famous disciple of Jesus. And um, Peter was known for having really high highs and really low lows. I mean, he's a roller coaster. If you've ever read the Gospels, if you've ever read anything about Peter, it's like in one chapter, it's like, man, Peter's got it together. He knows what he's talking about. He's, he's Jesus' right-hand person. And then the next chapter, it's like, what in the world happened, Peter? Why would you make that decision? Why would you go down that road? And, uh, but his most famous low happened the night that Jesus was arrested before his crucifixion. This is, and this is maybe the most famous low for anybody in Scripture. I mean, this is, this is, this is rough. See, it gets to a point where Jesus told his disciples, this is, this is before he was arrested, before he was crucified, and it, he told his disciples, hey, just so you guys know, you all are going to abandon me, all of you. Now, could you imagine that conversation? The 12 disciples all with Jesus, 
talk about a mood killer. It's like, hey, you guys, you're like my friends and everything. Actually, you're, you're my best friends. Actually, you're the closest people in my life. And guess what? You say that you love me, but I know, I know that eventually you're going to abandon me. And, and everyone's like, oh. Judas is like, oh. and he knew, right? He knew what he was doing. <laughs> and, and Peter stands up. And Peter's like, not me, uh-uh. Maybe the rest of these jabronis, but not me. I would never, I would never abandon you, right? That, that would, and Peter's known for kind of putting his foot in his mouth, right? He, he doesn't really, he kind of talks a little too much. And, and he stands up and he's like, not me. But after Jesus was arrested, you probably know the story, Peter's recognized and he's at, he's at the temple courts and uh, and Jesus is arrested, and he's put on trial, and, and Peter is just trying to blend in with the crowd. But the problem is some people recognize him, and some people say, hey, aren't, aren't you one of his followers? And this is what Peter says in Luke 22, verse 16 and 61. Man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. <sighs> I mean, imagine that you're Peter. Jesus is standing trial for something that he didn't do, for something that, that he didn't deserve. He's going to die on a cross, I mean, he's, he's about to lose everything. He's going to die on a cross for sins that he didn't commit in order to save people like Peter. In order to save Peter. Peter had walked with Jesus for three years, watching him perform all of these miracles, listening to him teach, listening to him to, to talk about what is to come, what was to come. I mean, Jesus saved Peter's life, and then Peter denied even knowing him, not once, not twice, but three times. Do you know now what's involved for Peter? Guilt, regret, and shame. Not shame, shame. <laughs> One of the hardest sermons I ever gave was on shame to teenagers in youth group. It was awful. Anyways. <laughs> They were laughing the entire time, <laughs> and I was trying to preach on shame, which is a very serious thing. Okay, uh, so Peter's dealing with all of these, these thoughts and these, and these regrets and this guilt that goes into it, and here, here's what the enemy says about your past, and here is what Peter's feeling in this moment. One, this is what the enemy will say to you about your past. You are unforgivable. Unforgivable. You have done too much to be forgiven. No, or, or maybe, maybe it's not you've done too much to be forgiven. Maybe it's you haven't done enough to be forgiven. The failure in your life is simply too big. You're, you're unforgivable. And then two, what the enemy says is you're unlovable. Who would love somebody with the baggage that you have? Who would love somebody with the mistakes that you've made or the choices that you've made in your life? I mean, if, if others find out what you are really like, they're not, they're not going to love you. And then third thing that the enemy says is, you're useless. 
insecurity comes into play now. That the enemy tells you all the things, all the ways you messed up in your past, and you think that you can now make a difference. You're just going to mess up again. You're just going to fall short again. God could never use a person like me. A family would never love me. People don't want to be my friends, right? That's what it tells us. That's what the enemy tells us is that you are simply useless. And we know, or hopefully you know, or if you don't know, I'm going to tell you today, all of those things are a complete lie. It's a complete lie. None of them are true. But when, you de- when you're dealing with your past, those thoughts and feelings and questions can creep into your, to your mind, into your heart, and make you feel this way. So here's the truth that you need to know today. If you, if, if you can't let go of your past, you will never take hold of your future. So the, so the question we're trying to answer is this. How do I let go of my past? What do I do? Here's, here's what the first thing you have to understand. God's grace is bigger than your sin every single time. Every single time. 1 John 1, 9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. See, this doesn't say that you will receive forgiveness as long as you feel guilt, as long as you feel shame. As long as you feel regret, as long as you beg and ask for forgiveness, then you will receive forgiveness. As long as you give a little bit of extra money in your tithe to the church, then you will receive forgiveness. As long as you serve in in more ways, then you will receive forgiveness. As long as you punish yourself enough and you tell yourself how terrible you are and how awful of mistakes you've made and how you're not worthy of anything, as long as you kick yourself so that you're so low that you feel like you're nothing, then, then you'll get forgiveness. That is so far from the truth. It simply says, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive sins. Why? Because God's grace is bigger than your sin, and your standing with God is determined by relationship, not by rules. I don't know if you understand that or not, because like we live in a society that says, if you break this rule, then here's this punishment. If you, if you do this wrong, then this is the consequence. Our relationship with God, everything with God, our standing with God is determined by the fact that you know him and have a relationship with him. It's not about crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's and making sure that you go down this checklist of, okay, I did this, I do this. I did this, I do this. I don't do this. I do. it, that's not what this is about. If, if we're focused on rules, then do you know who we turn into? The Pharisees. Because the Pharisees knew Scripture in and out. The Pharisees knew Scripture. I would... Actually, they definitely knew, knew the Old Testament better than any one of us. Do you know how I know that? Because they had to memorize it. They memorized the Old Testament law. They could recite it. I don't know about you, but I don't have the book of Leviticus memorized. Okay? So they had it, me- they knew, like they knew everything. And then it got to a point where, where the people in the Old Testament, they were scared to live life because they were worried about messing up to the point where on the Sabbath, if they, if they, they didn't want to work on a Sabbath, right? You have to keep the Sabbath holy. So if they got to a place where they were working too much or walking too far, they would just be like, well, if I've reached my quota, I got to stop and just wait here until the Sabbath is over. 
Like that, that's the sort of stuff that they were doing. And it was all determined by rules. What have you broken? What have you not? Now, you may be saying to me, okay, I, I, I hear what you're saying. My standing is determined by relationship, not, not by rules. But Shane, you don't know what I've done. You don't, you don't know my shortcomings. You don't understand. I cheated on my spouse. I've lied. I had an abortion. I lost everything. I walked away from God. I've done terrible things in my life. I've, I've, I've gone down this road, and, and I, I'm ashamed of some things in my past. And you're right, I probably don't understand everything that you've dealt with, but the good news is I don't have to understand. I'm not the one. It's, it doesn't fall on my shoulders, but God knows everything, and God understands everything. And it doesn't mean that God wants you to make those decisions. It doesn't mean that God wants you to fall short. But that's part of what is so crazy about God. He knows it all, and still he died for you. I, he knows everything. People, people don't know everything about you. Even, even the closest person, your spouse, you may think, oh, I know everything about my spouse. You don't. Like, there's just no way around it. That you don't know every single thing about a person. And yet people still judge, toss away, throw out others based off of the limited knowledge that we have of one another. That's what we do. But God, who knows everything, who knows all of your deepest, darkest secrets, who knows all of the choices that you've made, everything in your past that you would never dare tell anybody else, he knows everything. And what does he say? You are forgiven. You are my child. And not only that, I'll lay down my life for you. <laughs> that's, that's the situation. And that's why it's determined by relationship and not, and not by rules. But when we hold on to our past, if you, if, you, if you can't get past your past, this is what you're saying, that your past is stronger than the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. What an arrogant thing to proclaim. It's simply not true. I know you've, I know you've messed up. I know you've done things wrong. I know, I know that you're embarrassed of the way that you've gone about your life at certain times, but when it comes to it, when everything is at the end of the day, and, we, and we're finishing everything, the power of your past is not stronger than the power of the cross. I promise you that. You are not what you have done. You are who God says you are, which is forgiven. So don't let your past define you, but understand that what God has done is enough to pay for the price of your past. And so if God saves you from your past, this is what happens. God saved you from your past so that you can then step into your future. If you're holding on to your past, you're not going to move forward. But if you understand God has saved you from it, then, then you can step into the future. Here, here in the book of Philippians, Paul talks about this in Philippians 3. I, didn't, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. This is important here. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. What a passage that is. You've been forgiven. Act like it. You've been saved. Act like it. You have a future. Pursue it. Don't keep living in your mistakes. But when you look into your past, I hope that you don't see failure. But rather, I hope that you see how God was faithful. Because even in the midst of failure, God is working. Even in the midst of your worst day, the worst decisions that you've made, God is faithful. He's there. He's working in your life, whether you realized it or not. So I hope that when you look back, because the cool part is when you get this, when you grasp the grace that is provided, and when you don't let your past under, uh, uh, define you anymore, when you don't let that happen, eventually you'll get to a place where you look back in your life and like, like never before, and you won't look back and be embarrassed, but rather you'll look back and be thankful. And you'll be filled with gratitude, and you'll say, man, God showed up there. God provided here. I hope that you don't see defeat. I hope that you see God's ultimate victory. I, I hope that you don't see how bad you are. I hope that you see how good God is. That's, that's what I want to do when I look into my past. And there are times when it's harder. There's sometimes we look in our past and we're like, oh, I hate this about me. I hate that, that I did this. But when, it's all, when all is said and done, your story is not a story about failure. It's a story about God's victory if you allow it to be. Don't be held captive, but step into that fulfilled freedom that is promised to you. See, we started off talking about how badly Peter messed up, right? And that's a, that's a big one. And last week we talked about how, uh, how we love to rank sin and Ultimately, when it comes down to it, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all missed the mark, right? Uh, but we look at this with Peter, and we're like, ooh, gee. Peter, that's rough. That's not a good one, Peter. That's like a Hall of Fame sort of mess up here. And so Peter has to be feeling this way. Then, not only that, not only that, if you imagine, if we go back to, to Peter's shoes, and he does that, denies him three times, he looks up, Jesus is looking directly at him from a distance, Oh, gosh. And then what happens? He gets to go and apologize to Jesus? No, he's crucified. He's killed. So now Peter is dealing with all of this, and he feels like there is no way for me to now go and ask for forgiveness. Now, that's not in Scripture. That's just how I would be if I were Peter in that moment after Jesus dies. So eventually, Peter and some of the other disciples that they hear about how, how Jesus is, is resurrected and, and all these things. And, uh, but, you know, it's like, is he? You know, people say that he's resurrected, but they don't know for sure. And so eventually, Peter and some of the other disciples, they go back to what they were doing before Jesus came along, which is fishing. They go back and to their old jobs, their old, their old life. And a lot of times, that's what we do when we fail. We go back to what we were doing, which isn't necessarily the best thing for us. Right? It opens the door. 
If you, if you struggle with something over and over and over again, if you have addiction issues if you, or, or, or just sin issues in general, and then, and then you go a long time and you're like, okay, I, I haven't failed, I haven't fallen short, and then you do slip up, it's so dangerous at that point because then it opens a door to just being like, I can't do this. I can't. I fail every time. So what, what's the point in even trying? I'm just going to go back to my old life. I, I don't know what else to do. I don't want to be this way, but I have no other answers, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back, and I'm just going to go back to the way that I've been living my life before. And now Peter goes back to fishing with a lot of the other disciples, and then after Jesus was resurrected, he came to him. He didn't, I don't know if, 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 if we catch this every time that we read this story, Jesus didn't make Peter come to him, but Jesus went to Peter. And the amazing part about being in a relationship with Jesus is that he comes to you. He pursues you. He's ready for you. All we have to do is just turn around. So he goes to Peter, and he goes to the disciples. And Jesus is on the shore, and he calls out to the disciples who are on a, on a boat fishing. They haven't caught anything all night. Right? They're about ready to come in. They're tired. And they didn't know that it was Jesus, but Jesus calls out to them from the shore. And he says, hey, throw your nets on the other side of the boat, which right then and there should have been a dead giveaway for the disciples. <laughs> but it wasn't yet. So they throw the net on the other side of the boat, and then they catch so much fish that they can't even bring it back into the boat. The nets are ripping. They're pulling, I mean, it's just an absurd amount of fish. And then in that moment, Peter realizes. What does he do? He jumps out of the boat and he swims to shore because Jesus is here. Jumps out and swims all the way over to him. And they end up sitting down for what had to be an awkward, wet breakfast at that point, right? <laughs> but it had to be awkward. I mean, the last interaction that they had was Jesus looking at him, staring at him, and he's knowing that, that Peter had denied him three times. It's kind of like uh, when, you, when you screenshot somebody's text and you want to send it to your friend, but you send it to the person that you screenshotted a text of. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> You've never done that, have you? <laughs> that's kind of what that's like. You're caught red-handed. And so they go and they have breakfast in John 21, 15 through 17. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Let's, let's just stop right there. It's never a good sign when somebody uses your full name, right? When your mom uses your full name, that's not good. You know that what's about to happen next is not the greatest news. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. 
See, Jesus could have ignored the past. You know, just act like it didn't happen. Water under the bridge. Let's just, let's just not talk about it. That's the other thing we do with our past. We just ignore it, act like it never happened, right? He could have done that. He could have just had his omelet with Peter, right? He could have just had breakfast and just gone about their life and never addressed what happened. But he didn't do that. Instead, he brought it right up, not once, not twice, but three times, because Peter denied him not once, not twice, but three times. And he brings it up to his attention, because God is more concerned about healing your life than he is about the short-term feelings that we have. Sometimes we would rather let something linger and control us because we just don't want to nip it in the bud and, and address it. Sometimes we don't want to go through the hard work. We don't want to go through the difficult things of fixing something that we messed up. And so we just ignore it and we act like it never happened and we think, ah, oh, it's just the past. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm just going to keep going on with my life. Jesus brings it up right away. Because when we have a wound, it needs to be cleaned before it can be healed. That's what needs to happen. So there could be some things in your life that need to be cleaned before they will heal. And if you don't clean it, then it won't heal. If you don't go through the necessary steps, it's not going to be taken care of. And I know it's not fun. I know it. It's like when you're a kid and you fall and you scrape up your knee. And what does mom pull out of the medicine cabinet? Some hydrogen peroxide. Dumps that on your open wound. And it's bubbling and it stings and it hurts. But what is it doing? It's cleaning the wound. It's getting all that dirt out of there. It's It's getting all that gravel and those pebbles out of there so that it can heal properly. That's what we have to do with our past. So, so when it comes to your past, I don't want you to just ignore it. But I don't want you to be defined by it either. And it doesn't mean that you have to keep bringing up your past in every conversation. But it is necessary in order for us to step into our future to recognize I'm not defined by my past and God's already paid the price for that. I just need to, get it, I just need to address it to be able to move forward with it and then step into the future that God has promised for us. It it is so important that we do this. This is why when I talked about in the first verse that we looked at, we have to confess. Confession is healing for the soul. It helps. Now it hurts. Let's be honest. It hurts. It's not fun. It may even hurt the person that you are confessing to. But the only way for you to step into your future in a healthy way is to do that. Look, God's grace is bigger than your sin. And if you believe that, if you trust in that, and you follow through the necessary steps, and you walk through the difficult things, and you understand, hey, you know what? I'm not going to let this ruin my life. I'm going to address it now so that I can move forward. It will give you opportunities beyond anything that you could imagine moving forward. It's really the truth. So if you're holding on to your past, if, if you feel like, feel like Peter after denying Jesus three times, 
sometimes. If you, if you feel like, ah, just not worth a whole lot. If you feel like you believe what the enemy says, we talked in the, beginning, in the beginning, that you're unforgivable, you're unlovable, you're unusable. If you're telling those things to yourself, if you're buying into that lie, you will always remain there. But I'm telling you today, there is a way out. There's, there is freedom to be found, and not just freedom, but hope, peace, joy, love, salvation. All of those things are available if we can just get to a place where we say, no more am I going to allow this to run my life. Instead, God, I'm trusting in everything that you've said about me. I don't know why you would do it, God, because I know what I've done in my life, but you said, I am your child. You've done everything for me. So like Peter, sometimes we need to jump out of the boat and swim to shore as quickly as we can. Don't waste time. Don't say a year from now. Do it now. Do it today. Because the amazing part about confessing things in our lives that we're holding on to, the amazing part about it is it brings it into the light and it takes away all of the power that it once had. When it gets in the light, we're like, oh, that's not as scary as I thought it was. Doesn't mean it's not hard. Doesn't mean it's not difficult. But you realize the power that you gave it you also have the ability to remove that same power from it. Because God's grace is bigger than your sin every single time. So as you're heading into Christmas, if you feel like you're not yourself, if you feel like you're just dragging your, yourself to the finish line here of 2023, sometimes we need to stand up Address what needs to be addressed and understand grace is good. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team up as we get ready to close. So you know your past, right? You know your life. You know all the things that, that you've been dealing with, all the questions that you may have, the guilt that's involved, the regret. You know it all. And maybe you've addressed your past, and, and it doesn't define you. Praise God. Stay there. Maybe it's time for you to get it out. Maybe it's time for you to let go of some things and say, you know what? No more. Wherever you're at, give it to God. Amen? Lay it all down. To God, I'm trusting, I'm trusting what your word says here. A lot of times we're worried about trusting in, in God because we're used to trusting in people. When we trust in people, it doesn't always work out. When we trust in God, never, ever, ever let you down. If you get to a place where you truly lay your life at the feet of Jesus, I've not met a single person who regretted it. Now, when you lay your life at the feet of people, or a pastor, or a church, or whatever else, you'll come back to regret it. Because that's not meant to be the place that your life goes. When you get to a place where you say, I just want more and more and more of God. 
your life changes. It's where it changes. When I look at my life and I think about the things that I wish I didn't do, it's not fun. When I think about the things I'm so thankful that I've done, that's bringing you down. Don't live 